Today I am joined by one of the most celebrated actors in the world. Historic stage roles, blockbuster movies and smash hit TV shows. His career is on fire. He saves lives in Chicago from a fire engine. He policed the streets of Sun Hill from a Rolls Royce. Ladies and gents, make some noise for the legendary Eamon Walker. Eamon, welcome to the Bill Podcast. Thank you very much. What an introduction. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Thank you very much, mate. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And we have to say a big thank you to Nick Redding for kindly hooking us up. Yeah. You sent me such a wonderful email just to talk about your pride for what Nick has done with SAFE. He's a special human being, isn't he? He's an incredible human being and, and has been working really hard at changing the world for such a long time. And I remember that idea when it was a fledgling of an idea. I remember when he was going out to Africa to build an AIDS hospital because he was looking for something new and acting wasn't enough. And uh, so what it's turned into and all the lives he's affected and changed, it makes me very, very proud just to know him, far less be him being my friend. So Yeah. yeah. And and you both had a I don't know if you had any scenes together. You had a little reunion on Strike Back in in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Did he tell you about that? No, uh, no. Yeah, no. We didn't have we didn't have any scenes together. But we uh, we ended up ended up in South Africa in the same hotel with a room above each other, and we didn't even know we were going to be there doing the same show. And it was incredible. We were like step out onto your balcony and look up <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and am i right that it was while you were doing that job that you got the call to get offered chicago fire yes yes the the, inter- the possible interview was coming up that was when that happened and then when i was in la um i was with ralph brown from with nail and i and i went and did the interview but the, the possibility started then how do you get all this information? <laughs> <laughs> I like to do my own work. Yeah, yeah, I got the phone call in South Africa then. Yeah, so it's, it's good, yes. What a phenomenal programme you make. It's shown all over the world. In the Bill terms, Bowden's like the Sergeant Cryer, isn't he? He's the glue. He is completely like Sergeant Cryer. What an amazing <laughs> man he was too. Uh, when I was doing the Bill, um, I was like uh, the one of the youngest persons on the cast and now i find myself doing chicago fire and i'm the oldest person on the cast (laughs) so you know there's been a lot of water under the bridge mate (laughs) yeah you must have such respect for the real men and women that are saving lives on a daily basis and fighting fires and uh it's a real honor is it right like some of the extras in the show are actually seasoned veterans of the job in real life well, they're not sitting, they're not all veterans. Some of them are still serving. What actually happens is, you know, uh, my day starts at 4 a.m. and by 4:35, we're coming out of makeup and all that, so we can shoot by first light. And that's around about the time when they finish their shift. And so some of them just come straight from shift, straight onto our set, and having fought fires all night, or you know, pulled cars apart apart and pull people out from whatever mistake they've made on the motorway they come directly to us and reenact that on on the show 
And so we are surrounded by firefighters every day so that we can also you know, ask for advice on how they would do something in a particular situation, as well as the, the coordinator from the fire department, Steve Chikorotis, who, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be doing the show. And he now, he was a deputy district chief, but now he writes and, and consults in the show as well. So uh, he's actually retired, but most of them are serving. And it's the same with PD. They're real policemen, most of those extras you see in the back there's policemen they're, they're just that's their day off wow <laughs> yeah. I mean these are like you're, you're making like a movie every week the production values are absolutely phenomenal it feels like it <laughs> yeah I've seen you walking through buildings on fire carrying people over your backs uh, hanging off precipices saving Jesse Wallace I mean you've you've kept yourself yeah. in shape sir you know this is this is hard work you're doing yeah. on a daily basis it is. It is hard work. And regardless of the age that I am, that equipment is very, very heavy. And you can't be around real firefighters and, and wear the fake stuff. So we're, we're in it to win it, if you know, know what I mean. And so it's real fire and, and we get burnt on the odd occasion. But we've been trained really well, yet again, by Steve Chiffers. And we have a great art department and special effects team, John Milanak and Craig, and what they do is when they work as a team, they make sure whatever they build or whatever we're hanging off of or whatever is burning or whatever blows up, mixed together with the stunt coordinator as well, uh, Rick Lefevre, whenever that thing goes off, the first thing that is considered is our safety. But we've got some gung-ho actors, you know, so Jesse <laughs> and Taylor will say, no, I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go closer. <laughs> they were like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no closer. But I, but I have literally seen Taylor push his stunt double out of the way and said, I'm doing it. And, you know, there was one episode where we were, the car was literally, mechanically, it was completely safe. But it was enabled so it could move and see, seem like it was slipping off the top of the building. And uh, as the stunt guy was walking towards it, Taylor jumped from the posi- our position on the side where we were just supposed to be observing onto the car, no wires, no straps, and said, OK, I'm ready to go. And he was already in position. Whoa. I went, okay, Taylor, come back. It's like, I'm not going to come back. Just shoot, shoot, shoot. And they shot it. And yeah, that's who he is. It's pretty exciting. I've got, I've got, I've got to say, it's, it feels, you know, the kidding you that wanted to be a firefighter or, you know, a fireman, as we would say here, and go, nee, 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 and run around and drive at 90 miles per hour and do all that. We, we get to do that every week. So it's great. Yeah. There was a bit where Bowden got almost got to get into Haynes mode a bit. There was an episode where an, where an armored truck had crashed, and there were two two punks fancying their chances of of robbing the loot. And until <laughs> Bowden comes in and takes them both down <laughs> to the yeah. ground, yeah. that that was the moment. I was like, I've got to do what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to do Chicago Fire, you know, was. Partly because I'd done the bill, but then I did a, a film called Tears of the Sun, uh, which was really about camaraderie and not leaving men behind and whatever situation you're in, that camaraderie and willing to die for your, your brother as a firefighter, no matter where you got on outside of the, the firehouse or you got on outside on the street, when you were together and you were that team in that scenario, you were together. And uh, that camaraderie is a big thing for me. And so when the script of Chicago Fire came up, I was like, oh, I want to be in it. Yeah. And it's one of those shows where every season 
the viewing figures go up. Over here in the UK, everything's going down. But uh, over on NBC, this is like the biggest thing on TV. Oh, wow. See, because I, I don't watch TV, I, I have no idea. We just, we're just busy making it, not busy watching it. So I'm glad people are liking it. Oh, yeah. How did this fantastic career begin for you? Were there any performing genes in your family? <laughs> Where did the bug come from? The bug got me when I was nine years old. There's no one else in my family who does this. My family's full of doctors and teachers and, and, and workers and, and nine-to-fivers, really. And I'm the only one that's doing it. There's several of the new young ones who want to do it now, so I guess I'm the inspiration for that. But I was nine years old. I saw a film called In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Poitier uh, when it first came out. And Rod Steiger and Sidney Poitier and that dynamic duo battling over that particular story of a black man who was a policeman from uh, New York who happened to be passing through a town in the South and there had just been a murder. And, of course, they blamed him because he was the black guy. And then what ensued in that movie just changed my whole life. And it was the one scene in the, in the greenhouse where the white plantation owner slaps Sidney Poitier in the face because he thinks he can, and Sidney Poitier slaps him straight back. And that moment just sparked my whole life because I was, it was reminiscent of things that were happening on the streets of London for me as a nine-year-old boy. And I was like, wow, that's an option about how I can survive. Yes, I don't have to take whatever was coming at me. And my whole life changed from that. And somewhere deep down inside, my brain started putting it together, the power of television, the power of theater, the power of writing, the power. I mean, you know, I'm bundling all the years together, but by the time I was chasing it properly, which was the first thing came along when I was about 22. And I became a dancer first and all sorts of things. But, but you know, I put it together that, through the power of the pen, you can change an idea in somebody's head if it's done well enough. And so that's basically what I've been trying to do my whole career, you know. Uh, have you ever met Mr. Poitier? I have. No way! <laughs> um, wow! Yeah, I, uh, I had the privilege of doing Julius Caesar on Broadway with Denzel Washington and I was playing Mark Antony. And because Denzel knows everybody... And they all came to see him play Brutus. And uh, on the opening night, everybody was there from all the huge, massive stars. And one of the members who came backstage to say what they needed to say to Denzel, as I was freaking out because, you know, you're covered in blood. You're, you're thinking, oh, my God, that's my first opening night on Broadway, whatever you're thinking. And I'm walking kind of wiping the blood off my hands, and I bump into this very, very tall older man, and I look up and instantly recognize him and can't speak. And he realized that I was having an apoplectic moment. And he just put his arms out, and he said, come here. And he hugged me, and he was very complimentary in my ear, and... I was like, I've, I've got to, I've got to go now. I've got to go. You're the reason I'm an actor, so I've got to go now. And I left. I went to my room. So that was my Sydney Poitier meeting. Oh, I got a tear in my eye. That's that's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> wow. I mean, you were a young man, but you'd already done loads before you joined the Bill. 
Yeah. You had a regular role in a sitcom. In sickness and in health. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a different world to Malcolm Haynes. Very different. Your comedy timing, you get massive rounds of applause, like the biggest cheers <laughs> in the entire series that it ever got, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Sickness and Health was fantastic. Uh, you know, it's, I worked with some of the greats of British comedy. But I was a young actor, you know, this great thing, you know, when they say ignorance is bliss, they're not wrong. <laughs> so I was on there with Warren Mitchell, Arthur English, Carmel McSharry, I mean, Una. It was it just, these people were amazing. And basically, Warren Mitchell took me under his arm from the time I did my audition, which, you know, I was a raw talent. I'd done plays and whatever. I was at Citizens. I started at the Albany Empire with John Turner. It was the old school way of learning to act. You know, it was rep. You know, you did a play during the day and you performed another play at night. And I did that for years and years and years, a long time before I went in with Neo Camera. So by the time In Sickness and Health came along and I did my audition, and they were saying, we want somebody who's kind of Boy Georges. And I was like, I don't like Boy George. I'll give you my version. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, okay, go ahead, do your version. And my version and my comic timing was based off of my mother who was a very, very funny woman. My, my, my mother was hilarious. <laughs> so that basically all of that stuff was how my mother used to kind of talk to me in, ter in terms of the timing. Uh, and she was a nurse in the hospital. And <laughs> she used to tell me some of the stories of some of the people that she would have to treat in the hospital. And they were hilarious stories. She used to come back and tell me those stories every night. So I don't know if I was doing comic timing, but Warren Mitchell certainly took me under his arm and taught me comic yeah. timing and taught me how I used to watch him do the warm up before we started recording and he would have the audience in the palm of his hand and if he, if he said turn left they'd turn left if he said turn right they'd turn right laugh now and it's not like oh laugh now because I'm being told what to do it's because they genuinely were laughing he was such a talented man and Alf Garnett is just one of the characters he could play I mean he was such a talented actor he could do anything and most people only remember him for Elf Garnet, but he was an amazing Shakespearean actor. He had such presence, power, and poise for, you know, for a little man and, and control. And as I say, I was under his wing for two years. So one of my best learning experiences as an actor in my life. Presumably because of that, I mean, you, you, was there a moment where suddenly, oh, you're getting recognized in the street because you're in this series? Uh... <laughs> yes, there was. You know, I didn't really take on board the, the recognition in the streets so much. I'm not really comfortable with that. But um, I remember when my twins were born, and the newspapers turned up at the, at the ward because they'd given birth, and all of a sudden, because everybody believed that he was gay, and so the fact that I had twins would let everybody know that I wasn't, and the papers went nuts. That's when I was like, get out, get out of the hospital. Get out. She's tired, leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't really care, so but I didn't. I've never played the celebrity thing. I don't really do that. And well, we're by nineteen eighty-eight. I mean, you're a very familiar face on television. You've done a Dempsey Mate piece, Tales of the Unexpected. And you'd played two policemen in Dramarama and Ballman, so your your profile was pretty oh, good. You really have done your homework. Haven't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, was the bill a straight offer at this point? How did it happen? 
Uh, how it happened was, uh, you know, that was a, a decision that I didn't want to do in sickness and in health anymore. I knew the type of actor I wanted to be, and I wanted to emulate Sidney Poitier, if you like. And so, and that's, I realized somewhere along the line that a career is based on the choices you make off and some of the offers that come in and some of the offers that come in, you have to say no to. So these are the debates I was having with my agent at the time. And I said to him, you know, it's time that I moved on from the sickness and in health because otherwise I'm just going to be known as doing comedy and, and I don't want to do that. So it was a, it was a direct result of that conversation with my agent. I was I'm not doing comedy for a while, even though I did a couple of other comedy bits. I was like, I'm really looking to do a serious drama. So the bill, when that came along, that was the thing for me to, to learn single camera as opposed to multi camera. And to do a drama, that was, you know, and so I think the first thing I did before the bill was uh, with Jane Lepetier and Jack Shepard. It's called Justice or something like that. I, I don't know, some drama on BBC drama. And I was like, no, I'm going to concentrate on drama because I wanted more things along the lines of In the Heat of the Night. Not that that gets written every day, but that's what I was aiming for in my head. So that's how that came about. And it was a straight audition. And, you know, they picked me. So uh, I was lucky you know, very quickly after Insignia Sin in Hell that that came along. I was like, okay, and joined a team of people that was, they were hilarious, they were funny, they were fantastic, and one of the best moves I ever made. Oh, and how on your radar had the bill been? Had you seen any of the hour-long versions that had preceded it? I had. I had caught a couple of the hour-longs, and I loved it. Which is, and I, you know, I used to watch it thinking, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. But, you know, by then my head was in actor mode of what would you like to be in and how would you like to do it? You know, America was not on the radar at that point of being a possibility. I was just in learning mode. It's a weird one as, as, as an actor to turn around and tell yourself, everybody's concentrating on the fact that you're playing the character. And for me, I was concentrating on camera technique <laughs> and all the techniques of being in front of a camera or whatever. But the fantastic thing was is that my relationship with Nick Redding and those were the conversations that we were having. You know, we were having a lot of fun <laughs> racing about the city and the police car <laughs> and everything else. But we were both taking acting very, very seriously and kind of dreaming and aspiring to, to do all the things. We knew it was a, a stepping stone in, in the right direction for the type of actor we wanted to be. But we were young guys, so... But we had so much fun. I can't, I can't even... Half the fun we had, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much fun we had. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you. So no doubt. <laughs> well, you do get to have fun together on screen. That was a great thing because, yeah. you know, they kind of... They, they ease you into the series at first. Uh, you got some lovely moments with Larry Dan where you're nicking the Navy. Yeah. Uh, what, what I love about Haynes is... He's the voice of sanity. So when Larry's planning on arresting the Navy, you're like, I can't believe we're about to arrest the Navy. <laughs> Haynes knows this this isn't right. Larry's like, oh, come on, son, where's your bottle? And and uh, considering that you're saying that you were still learning camera technique, you're so clever with the way you use your voice because oh, wow. what I love about you, you'd like end the scene with a whisper. You know, everyone else, you know, they're trying to like make their stamp and, and you just go you're the boss and and you'd say it real calmly or there's a lot of times in the series where where you use 
like a, a very softly spoken voice, especially with Nick when he's like really intense and he's he's giving all the Ramsey interrogating a suspect, and then you come in. Good job, bad job. We, we yeah we worked, but we used to go back. Uh, we'd sit, you know, the very first day of filming, where they when they just started to do three a week, and they kind of had everybody in there who they were testing, you know, and I'd been there a couple of days before. And funny enough, there was somebody else playing Ramsey before Nick turned up, and that person ended up in EastEnders, and you'll know who he is. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one, yeah. Because <laughs> you do your homework. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember it now changed around, and Nick was Ramsey, and we were sitting in the car park going, so how was your first day of filming? Going, it was okay. So... Do you think they liked us? <laughs> it was one of those. And we would work out things, the good cop, the bad cop, because we could see what the writing was doing, the racist thing, and they wanted this. I think they were trying to pit us against each other. And we would turn around and say things, well, we can play against that. We can, even with the lines that they have, we can play against that. And then eventually the writers kind of clicked onto it, and then they started sticking us together. But we used to sit down in the car park almost every day after work and go, how was yours? Because what most people don't realize was one of the hardest schedules still to this day I've ever been on to shoot three episodes a week, every week for a year was nuts and hadn't really been done before. People like EastEnders came along and watched us do it on the build to go, how are you doing that? And they would have vans that would just ship us from one set to the other because they were only half hour. But keeping your head straight about what episode you were in, because none of them were consecutive, none of them followed each other. They were all separate entities. So on the other occasion, they might, but most of the time, they were just their own thing. And it would talk about confusion. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had to somewhere, somehow kind of sit down in the, in the car, in the car park, and debrief and go, okay, what episode are you doing? Where are you? Where, when are we going to be together again? It was... That's what I remember about the builder, the, the putting it together. The episodes themselves blended. And they both gave you quite a, an historic one, the, the, the first episode to not be set at Sun Hill. You and Nick get uh, trouble and strife. Uh... Brian Capron <laughs> and Kay Adshed and just like... There we go. That was <laughs> brilliant. That was the funniest, the funniest thing I had ever been in. And that's because I was stuck with my best mate in a police uniform, having so much fun, running up and down after their car, us shouting at each other, and then throwing stuff out the window. I mean, half yeah. those takes we couldn't take because we were genuinely just laughing. And I'd have to kind of pick everything up and take it back up the stairs and go, stop laughing, you two! <laughs> yeah, you can see how much you're both enjoying it. The characters were enjoying it. Well, well they, at first they're enjoying how crazy this is. And then, of course, it just gets harder and harder to control these two. And then she starts turning yeah. on you both. She was amazing. I'm shooting! I'm shooting! <laughs> yeah. Never forget that. I, would, I mean, those looks of shock on my face are genuine. I'm like, what the? Where's this? Half of that is, it wasn't even in the script. You, you must realize that. They were just oh. kicking off. It was fantastic. She attacks you with an egg whisk <laughs> and uh, tears your suit. And when, when you want Nick's help, he, he goes in to check up on the football scores. I'll be a minute. You know, he's watching the free kick. It's yeah. such a yeah, fantastic that, that was a, What a fantastic script. Fantastic script. I love I loved that. 
Well, this is um, a cool moment in your career because you get top billing. So for the first time in your career, you're top of the credits. That must have been a, a fantastic moment in your life. I get, you know, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I hadn't clocked that they did that. It was just another episode, but but it's it stuck out because of the the people in it and the alchemy that we had while making it. Nobody knew how we were going to do it. It's just that we all started collaborating together, and and when those two kicked off. They were the pros. Nick and I were watching in awe most of the time. <laughs> you know, they were fantastic together, and they really just jumped off of each other. And uh, it was a learning process for me. And most of the time, I'm, when I'm working, I'm still thinking I'm learning. Half the time now, I don't. You know, I think God, I feel like I've never done it before. And of course, I've been around for years, but I'm always learning. I'm always learning. And I'm definitely at that point, I was like. I'm going to drink in every moment. Yeah. Uh, and later on, it, it pays off. Like stuff comes up now in Chicago Fire, and I go, oh, and I know how I can do this. I know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, of course, the two worlds don't cross, you know, but I'm carrying two worlds inside of me, so. Only a few episodes later is one called Chasing the Dragon, which is a, it's a fantastic mm-hmm. one for you. you. You go undercover to try and get a heroin dealer. So you and Nick get a car chase. You get your first car chase uh, after a black Capri. Wow. <laughs> Which was my car at the time as I was driving around the streets of London. Nick and I, I had a navy blue Capri. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, God, sorry. I dig, I dig oh, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, So what happened in the episode? Cause I can't remember it. You get a cool moment because Ramsey wants to get back into CID and he thinks this is, uh, you know, your ticket to get up there. And you pull him aside again, very clever on your part, where I think other other actors would have played this that like you really hated each other. But you're, you're pals and, and you say, listen, right. Ramsey, I'm following this case because I want that bloodsucker off the street. As far as furthering your career and your ambitions, I couldn't give a toss. And then Nick uh... just says, all right, keep your hair on. And then you're like laughing <laughs> by the end of the scene. You know, you guys have got such great, genuine chemistry together. Yeah, we did. And it comes up trumps in the end. You 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 catch the dealer, and again you play with your voice when you when you find the this dealer. He's trying to pay you guys off. He's trying to bribe you off, and you you let out a great big get dressed now. I mean, I'm doing <laughs> hopelessly bad. You did it awesome. I've just shattered the hell out of that line, but uh, you you smashed it. Oh man! And then Tony is Scannell. He lifts up the garage and finds all this stuff in there. And Tony you, Scannell. Oh my god. <laughs> he, 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 he says uh, he says bingo you've just come up with a full house and you pick up a, a little pack of drugs and, and just slap it into this guy's face and say you see this this is what you are big man and then you get the drums yeah, it's just it's gold dust it's it, like 30 years on this stuff it holds up does it really I haven't yeah. seen it oh you know I watch it at the time just to see if I made any mistakes so I can learn from them and then I, I I haven't seen it since we, since we did it. Oh. You just said Tony Tony Scannell was the first actor I met when I walked onto the set of The Bill. Wow. And Nula and Trudy Goodwin. Oh my God, the, the, those women were amazing. Those women were amazing, and they were so nice to me. And anything I needed to be able to kind of get up to speed with The Bill, 
Trudy and Nula were beautiful, beautiful human beings and helped me so much. I swear to God. You're bringing back memories for me now, mate. <laughs> they are all so proud of you. Everyone I speak to, Barbara Thorne. Barbara Thorne, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They, they oh. are all just so so pleased for you and uh, and delighted. And you're on you're on the DVD covers, you know. Wow! First release, it's you and Barbara and Nick all on the DVD covers. Oh, I need to listen to Barbara Thorne because she, what an amazing woman and the strong strength of a woman. Oh my God! You've spoken to them all, then. You've spoken to them all. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this because. You know, that was a really huge part of my career. It, it taught me so much in terms of all the other dramas that I've done or filmed since. It basically taught me single camera because I only knew multi-camera. I only knew how to be on the, on the set of a sitcom. I'd never worked with single camera before. But I'm nice of you. They brought me down memory lane. What a lovely man. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed talking to Eamon. And it was wonderful to hear his admiration and respect for Nick Redding and his tireless work with SAFE. If you'd like to support SAFE, you can visit safekenya.org to make a donation. And you can find out more about Nick's incredible work firsthand because I had the pleasure of interviewing the great man on an earlier The Bill podcast. So perhaps you might like to listen to that while you look forward to part two of Eamon's interview, which will be released in a couple of weeks. Here's a clip, as Eamon remembers, policing the streets of Sun Hill in a Rolls Royce. Next time on The Bill Podcast. I remember that. I remember yeah. the drive. Yes, I've never been in a car like that before. I really did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh.